0: section four of the citizens almanac this LibriVox recording is in the public domain section four fundamental documents of american democracy in its most basic form the u.s system of government is a mutual agreement between the people and the government to ensure that individual liberties are maintained and continue to prosper under a free society this idea was established upon the signing of the mayflower compact by some of america's first settlers the pilgrims in 1620. the declaration of independence signed on july 4 1776 listed america's reasons for independence from great britain but also further explained the rights of free people and how they should live under a responsible government as it developed into a nation based upon the firm foundation of the constitution the united states government has continued to adapt in order to live up to its promise of liberty and equality for all individuals the federalist papers written between seventeen eighty seven and seventeen eighty eight give today's citizens a remarkable look into the framing of our government more than 200 years ago. Through the Bill of Rights and 17 subsequent amendments, the Constitution has been changed over the years to solidify America's promise of liberty for all its citizens. The following section introduces you to these and other important documents that have helped make the United States the land of opportunity it is today. The Mayflower Compact, 1620 In the late 1500s, several religious groups in England wanted to establish a new church completely independent from the Church of England. These individuals were called separatists and were often persecuted because of their religious practices and beliefs. One of these groups became known as the Pilgrims, After continuously being denied the right to establish their own church in England the pilgrims decided to move their families to Holland While Holland allowed them to worship freely the pilgrims soon began to miss the language and customs of life in England after much discussion the pilgrims decided to move the entire community to America where they could practice their religious beliefs and still maintain an English lifestyle on september sixth sixteen twenty their ship called the mayflower set sail for america two months later the pilgrims landed off the coast of massachusetts much further north than they originally intended since this land was outside jurisdiction of the virginia colony's government in jamestown the group agreed to draft a social contract for self-government based on consent of the governed and majority rule All male adults signed the contract and agreed to be bound by its rules. This agreement became known as the Mayflower Compact and was the first act of European self-government in America. The concept that government is a form of covenant between two parties, the government and the people, was a major source of inspiration to the framers of the U.S. Constitution. The Mayflower Compact we whose names are underwritten the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign lord king james by the grace of god of great britain france and ireland king defender of the faith etc having undertaken for the glory of god and advancement of the christian faith and honor of our king and country a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of virginia do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of god and one of another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civic body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid and by virtue hereof to enact constitute and frame such just and equal laws ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. In witness whereof we have hereunder subscribed our names at Cape Cod the 11th of November in the year of the reign of our sovereign Lord King James of England, France, and Ireland the 18th, and of Scotland the 54th. ANNO DOMINI 1620 THE DECLARATION OF INDEPENDENCE 1776 Following the end of the French and Indian War in 1763, Great Britain established itself as the dominant power in North America. The victory greatly increased the British presence in North America, but left the British government with a significant amount of debt. Frustrated by what was perceived as a lack of cooperation during the French and Indian War, Great Britain demanded that, at the very least, the colonists should pay for the cost of their own government and security. The British began tightening control over the colonies by bypassing colonial legislatures and imposing direct taxes and laws that angered many American colonists. In 1764, the sugar act was enacted by the british parliament and became the first law with specific goal of raising money from the colonies this law was followed by the currency act which prohibited the colonies from issuing their own currency the quartering act which required the colonies to provide housing and supplies for british troops and the stamp act which directly taxed the colonies by requiring all documents and packages to obtain a stamp showing that the tax had been paid. Violations of these acts often led to harsh judgments by British-appointed judges without the consent of local juries. American colonists responded to these acts with organized protest, arguing against taxation without proper representation in Parliament they believed that the strong measures enacted by the government violated their rights as british citizens the colonists also believed that government should not interfere in the daily lives of its citizens but should serve to secure and protect the liberty and property of the people on september 5th 1774 delegates from twelve of the thirteen colonies convened in philadelphia pennsylvania for the first continental congress during the meeting they prepared a petition called the declaration of rights and grievances for king george iii king of the united kingdom of great britain and ireland they also established the association of 1774 which urged the colonists to avoid using british goods before adjourning the delegates planned for a second continental congress to meet on may 10 1775 in case the british failed to respond adequately to its petition the second continental congress convened in may 1775 and following much debate agreed that reconciliation with britain was impossible on june 7 1776 virginia delegate richard henry lee called for a resolution of independence congress then appointed john adams benjamin franklin thomas jefferson robert r livingston and roger sherman to draft a statement of independence for the colonies with jefferson assigned to perform the actual writing of the document in writing the declaration of independence jefferson drew heavily upon the idea of natural rights and individual liberty these ideas had been widely expressed by seventeenth-century philosopher john locke and others at that time the beginning of the document explains that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness jefferson then listed formal grievances against great britain thus justifying the colony's decision to completely break away from the mother country. On July 2nd, 1776, the document was sent to Congress for consideration and debate. Two days later, on July fourth, seventeen 1776, Congress unanimously adopted the Declaration of Independence. Of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, Eight were foreign-born these included button Gwinnett, England Francis Lewis Wales Robert Morris England James Smith Ireland George Taylor Ireland Matthew Thornton Ireland James Wilson Scotland and John Witherspoon Scotland The Declaration of Independence action of second continental congress july fourth seventeen seventy six the unanimous declaration of the thirteen united states of america when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's god entitle them Invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations All having to direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states To prove this let facts be submitted to a candid world He has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent could be obtained, and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only he has called together legislative bodies at places unusual uncomfortable and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose obstructing the laws of naturalization of foreigners refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers he has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures he has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power he has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us For protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders, which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states For cutting off our trade with all parts of the world for imposing taxes on us without our consent for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses FOR ABOLISHING THE FREE SYSTEM OF ENGLISH LAWS IN A NEIGHBORING PROVINCE, ESTABLISHING THEREIN AN ARBITRARY GOVERNMENT, AND ENLARGING ITS BOUNDARIES SO AS TO RENDER IT AT ONCE AN EXAMPLE AND FIT INSTRUMENT FOR INTRODUCING THE SAME ABSOLUTE RULE INTO THESE COLONIES. FOR TAKING AWAY OUR CHARTERS, ABOLISHING OUR MOST VALUABLE LAWS, AND ALTERING FUNDAMENTALLY THE FORMS OF OUR GOVERNMENTS for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever he has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us he has plundered our seas ravaged our coasts burnt our towns and destroyed the lives of our people he is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death desolation and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation he has constrained our fellow-citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections against us, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people nor have we been wanting in attentions to our british brethren we have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us we have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kinship to disavow these usurpations which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity we must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind enemies in war in peace friends we therefore the representatives of the united states of america in general congress assembled Appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war conclude peace contract alliances establish commerce and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence we mutually pledge to each other our lives Our fortunes and our sacred honor signed by order and in behalf of the Congress John Hancock president attested Charles Thompson secretary signers of the Declaration of Independence Georgia button Gwinnett Lyman Hall George Walton North Carolina William Hooper Joseph Hughes John Penn South Carolina Edward Rutledge, Thomas Hayward Jr., Thomas Lynch Jr., Arthur Middleton, Massachusetts, Samuel Adams, John Adams, Robert Treat Payne, Elbridge Gerry, John Hancock, Maryland, Samuel Chase, William Paca, Thomas Stone, Charles Carroll of Carrollton, Virginia, George Wythe, Richard Henry Lee, thomas jefferson benjamin harrison thomas nelson jr francis lightfoot lee carter braxton pennsylvania robert morris benjamin rush benjamin franklin john martin george Clymer, james smith george taylor james wilson george ross delaware caesar rodney george reed thomas mckean new york william floyd philip livingston francis lewis lewis morris new jersey richard stockton john witherspoon francis hopkinson john hart abraham clark new hampshire josiah bartlett matthew thornton william whipple rhode island stephen hopkins william ellery connecticut roger sherman samuel huntington william williams Oliver Wolcott The Federalist Papers, 1787-1788 to 1788, By Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, and James Madison Following the Constitutional Convention in 1787, a national debate began concerning whether or not to ratify the proposed United States Constitution newspapers across the nation published essays and letters on both sides for and against ratification the most famous of these writings became known as the federalist papers the federalist papers were a series of eighty-five essays written by alexander hamilton john jay and james madison under the pen name publius the essays were published primarily in the independent journal and the new york packet and their purpose was to urge new york delegates to ratify the proposed united states constitution in seventeen eighty eight the essays were published in a bound volume the essays explain particular provisions of the united states constitution in specific detail alexander hamilton and james madison were both members of the constitutional convention And for this reason the federalist papers offer an exciting look into the intentions of those drafting the united states constitution today the federalist papers are considered to be one of the most important historical documents on the founding principles of the united states form of government notable excerpts number two john j to all general purposes WE HAVE UNIFORMLY BEEN ONE PEOPLE, EACH INDIVIDUAL CITIZEN EVERYWHERE ENJOYING THE SAME NATIONAL RIGHTS, PRIVILEGES, AND PROTECTION. NUMBER 22. ALEXANDER HAMILTON THE FABRIC OF AMERICAN EMPIRE OUGHT TO REST ON THE SOLID BASIS OF THE CONSENT OF THE PEOPLE. THE STREAMS OF NATIONAL POWER OUGHT TO FLOW FROM THAT PURE, ORIGINAL FOUNTAIN OF ALL LEGITIMATE AUTHORITY. Number 41 James Madison Every man who loves peace every man who loves his country Every man who loves Liberty ought to have it ever before his eyes that he may cherish in his heart a Due attachment to the Union of America and be able to set a due value on the means of preserving it Number 46 James Madison the ultimate authority resides in the people alone Number 51 Alexander Hamilton or James Madison But what is government itself but the greatest of all reflections on human nature? if men were angels no government would be necessary if angels were to govern men neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary the Constitution of the United States 1787. In May 1787, fifty-five delegates from each of the thirteen states, with the exception of Rhode Island, convened in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to revise the Articles of Confederation and create a more centralized form of government for the United States. Two competing plans were presented to the delegates Edmund Randolph's Virginia Plan and William Patterson's New Jersey Plan. The Virginia Plan would create a more powerful central government with three components— an executive, legislative, and judiciary sharing power. The New Jersey Plan would revise and amend the current Articles of Confederation to give Congress control over taxes and trade, but still provide each of the states with basic autonomy at the local level. Through extensive debate, it soon became clear— that amending the Articles of Confederation would not be sufficient and a new form of government would need to be established The most contentious issues included how much power the central government would have How the states would be represented in Congress and how these representatives would be elected The final document which was signed on September 17 1787 combined ideas from both the Virginia and New Jersey Plans, creating a central government with three branches and giving states equal representation in the Senate regardless of state size. Representation in the lower chamber, the House of Representatives, was based on state population. The Constitution of the United States is the supreme law of the land and serves as the basic legal framework for the U.S. system of government. It has lasted longer than any other nation's constitution. It has been revised or amended only twenty seven times since seventeen eighty seven. James Madison, a Virginia delegate and fourth president of the United States, is known as the father of the Constitution. The Preamble to the Constitution We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice ensure domestic tranquility provide for the common defense promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution for the united states of america the bill of rights 1791. Following the successful creation of a new Constitution which outlined the form and structure of the United States government a public debate concerning the need to protect individual freedoms arose Many believed that guarantees of individual rights were not needed because under the Constitution The people held all power not specifically granted to the central government others with the memory of british tyranny fresh in their minds demanded a list of individual rights that would be guaranteed to all citizens as the debate wore on thomas jefferson then serving as ambassador to france wrote a letter to james madison back in america stating a bill of rights is what the people are entitled to against every government on earth general or particular and what no just government should refuse or rest on inference this position quickly gained popularity and a compromise was finally reached several states in their formal ratification of the constitution asked for such amendments while others ratified the Constitution with the understanding that the amendments would be offered during the first meeting of Congress. On September twenty-five, seventeen eighty-nine, the first Congress of the United States offered twelve amendments to the Constitution that addressed individual freedoms. Two were not ratified immediately, but the remaining ten were ratified by three-fourths of the state legislators on December fifteenth, 1791 these first 10 amendments became known as the bill of rights emancipation proclamation abraham lincoln 1863 as the fierce fighting of the american civil war entered its third year president abraham lincoln acted to give a new war aim to the soldiers of the union army on january 1 1863 lincoln signed the emancipation proclamation which effectively freed the slaves in the states openly rebelling against the united states the civil war quickly became not only a fight to preserve the union but also a cause for the spread of freedoms to all americans many of the recently freed slaves joined the union army or navy and fought bravely for the freedom of others The proclamation was greeted with celebration in boston new york washington d c and elsewhere in order for these words to become reality however much more fighting was still to come by the end of the american civil war in eighteen sixty five almost two hundred thousand african americans had fought for the union in december of that year The U.S. Constitution was amended to free all slaves living in any part of the United States. The Thirteenth Amendment completed the work that the Emancipation Proclamation had begun, ending all slavery in the United States. Emancipation Proclamation January 1, 1863 By the President of the United States of America A Proclamation Whereas on the twenty-second day of september in the year of our lord one thousand eight hundred and sixty-two a proclamation was issued by the president of the united states containing among other things the following to wit, that on the first day of january in the year of our lord one thousand eight hundred and sixty-three all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons, and will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any efforts they may make for their actual freedom that the executive will on the first day of january aforesaid by proclamation designate the states and parts of states if any in which the people thereof respectively shall then be in rebellion against the united states And the fact that any state or the people thereof shall on that day be in good faith represented in the Congress of the United States by members chosen thereto at elections wherein a majority of the qualified voters of such state shall have participated, shall, in the absence of strong contravailing testimony, be deemed conclusive evidence that such state and the people thereof are not then in rebellion against the United States.' now therefore i abraham lincoln president of the united states by virtue of the power in me vested as commander-in-chief of the army and navy of the united states in time of actual armed rebellion against the authority and government of the united states and as a fit and necessary war measure for suppressing said rebellion do on this first day of january in the year of our lord one thousand eight hundred and sixty-three and in accordance with my purpose so to do publicly proclaimed for the full period of one hundred days from the day first above mentioned order and designate as the states and parts of states wherein the people thereof respectively are this day in rebellion against the united states the following to wit arkansas texas louisiana except the parishes of St. Bernard, Plaquemine, Jefferson, St. John, St. Charles, St. James' Ascension, Assumption, Terrebonne, Lafourche, St. Mary, St. Martin, and Orleans, including the city of New Orleans, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia, except the 48 counties designated as West Virginia, and also the counties of Berkeley, Accomac. Northampton, Elizabeth City, York, Princess Anne, and Norfolk, including the cities of Norfolk and Portsmouth, and which excepted parts are for the present left precisely as if this proclamation were not issued, and by virtue of the power and for the purpose aforesaid, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within the said designated states and parts of states are, and henceforward shall be, free and that the executive government of the united states including the military and naval authorities thereof will recognize and maintain the freedom of said persons and i hereby enjoin upon the people so declared to be free to abstain from all violence unless in necessary self-defense and i recommend to them that in all cases when allowed they labor faithfully for reasonable wages and i further declare and make known that such persons of suitable condition will be received into the armed service of the united states to garrison forts positions stations and other places and demand vessels of all sorts in said service and upon this act sincerely believed to be an act of justice warranted by the constitution upon military necessity i invoke the considerate judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of almighty god In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand, and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done at the City of Washington this first day of January, in the year of our Lord 1,863, and of the Independence of the United States of America the 87th. By the President Abraham Lincoln, William H. Stewart, Secretary of State. End of Section 4